Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melly. This week's episode, we were joined by Louis Serafini, a Boston-based runner and manager at Tracksmith, who became the 514th American to break four minutes in the mile this past weekend. Our co-host was Connor Cashin, manager of the Heartbreak Hill Running Company's Newton Store and captain of the Heartbreakers Club team. If you're looking for a serious discussion of Lou's training and how he broke four, well, we got into that a little, but in true run-your-mouth form, we mostly just teased him a bunch and talked a lot of crap, which made for a very entertaining episode. As a reminder, we record every Friday morning here at the Track House, and you're welcome to join us. In the meantime, I've been David Melly, and this is Run Your Mouth. Welcome to Run Your Mouth, Long Run Talk for Long Talking Runners. I'm your host, David Melly, and I'm here with my co-host, Connor Cashman. How are you, Cash? Good. How you doing? Doing all right. This rainy, blustery morning, uh, but we made, everyone made it. Everyone survived the journey in, and we're ready to go. We're joined this week by the manager of Tracksmith, uh, roommate extraordinaire, Louis Serafini, who is currently recording his 45th podcast of the week. <laughs> Uh, for those of you that haven't heard, uh, Lewis had a big milestone this past weekend. Uh, he ran 359.33 to become the 514th American under four minutes in the mile uh, over at BU. It was, it was a big moment, big culmination to the season, and, and he's here in the studio to tell us all about it. How are you doing, Lewis? I'm good. Uh, just to clarify, not 45th, but third so far. Third or four. Yeah. yeah. And uh, counting. And once and they hear ours, they'll yeah, uh, know that you're the, the best the podcast guests yeah, so to get. The, the talk shows are, are coming up next, but uh, sticking to the podcast this week. But no, it's been... <laughs> he's already rolling his eyes at me. Uh, it's been a very exciting week, um, and it, to be honest, it's like still just doesn't feel quite real. Uh, definitely still up on the cloud, for sure. God help us all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we dive into that, um, it's been, the, believe it or not, other things happened in the world besides Lewis Breaking 4 this week. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you guys about, because we were like three of the seven people in the room when it happened, was that uh, 4 by 8 world record. Uh, what did you think of that? It was pretty sweet. I was surprised that they got it. I think we were all, we, there was like six of us there and all of us doubted it. Every team. We were like, there's no way they're going to get it. I was, I was pretty skeptical. Yeah, I and then they all went under, <laughs> which I was, like, really the, impressed by. The energy had, like, kind of deflated in the track. Yeah. Like, the 5Ks went, and, like, everyone left, and there was honestly, like, no one there. Yeah. But, um, you know, we've gotten to know Jesse Garn pretty well, so we were really pulling for, for those guys to get the record. It was My awesome. podcast rival, Kyle Merber. Did uh, pretty well too, but um, yeah, he ran a good leg. Yeah, and I was really impressed with those three other guys on District TC that I don't know. Yeah, I we don't, both were. Yeah, I was like, I don't know any of their names, and they came and almost ran the world record. They like, got, yeah, they got a good crew down there. Yeah. Um, it sounds like they're sort of like really building an actual yeah, kind of program so. now that big centros down there. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, and, and for those of you that don't know, Jesse's like the like nicest, hardest working dude. So. 
Watching feel, him take down the gold medalist is pretty exciting. I feel like a lot of people like don't know how that race played out either. Like Jesse got the baton behind Centro, and I think any other person in the entire world would have sat behind the Olympic gold medalist and just kind of let him do his thing and yeah. try to outkick him at the end. But Jesse like took the lead with like five hundred to go. No, before it was before like two hundred meters in. They went out in twenty seven. He was like, "Oh, we're going for a world record. That's too slow." Yeah. And like took it and then held him off, which was. Yeah, pretty ballsy. We were all like, "Oh no!" And then he just <laughs> shut all. She shut us all up. Yeah. Well, it was cool. great. The, we need more of that though. Like, I love relays, and uh, and now that we have so many good teams, like we need more like teams facing each other in relays. Like, I want to see yeah. you know, NJNY versus Oregon Project versus whoever. Like, you know, Tracksmith yeah. versus Heartbreakers. Tracksmith yeah, Heartbreakers. We'll have to do that. DMR. We'll do it. We'll take you on. Yeah. Well, they. You know, they. New Jersey, New York has made like a good name for themselves going for those relays now. Like yeah. we were in that race with them in the four by mile when they went. When yeah, they we, got yeah. yeah. Second, we, we did the that Heartbreakers thing. quote unquote race. The second yeah, fastest we in four by mile in the world record the world. race. <laughs> don't worry. Don't ask what we ran. It not ran. <laughs> yeah. We got it done. Yeah, that's three of the four team members right here. Actually. Yeah, we did it. Yeah. Great. Well, the big headline of the weekend, however, world record, you know, not super important. The sub four. We ran 402 a couple weeks before. Um, you were pretty hesitant on, on even running another mile. You, you were pretty happy with that 402, and we're going back and forth with mile 5K, but, but you went for it. Why did you, why'd you decide to enter? Um, well, my coach told me I should enter both the mile and the 5K and just wait and see what the fields look like, which I thought was really smart. Um, I, I knew that like this whole, the way that I train, I'm, I'm kind of always focused on like 5K, 10K work, um, but I'm sharp enough to do a mile if I need to. So I, I really did want to do a 5K, um, but I don't know, the mile's always been that distance for me growing up in high school and through college. And I felt like this might be my last, one of my last opportunities to really give it a good shot. So when I saw the fields come out, um, I knew it'd be a really good opportunity to, to do it. So it was kind of an easy decision from there. But you saw me the night before and I was talking about maybe even trying to double and come back for the 5K. But the second that I broke four, I was like, no, I'm done. That, that's plenty for the day. So <laughs> We had, uh, my coach in college always talks about guys, guys sometimes getting a little squirrely before races. And, and Lou was pretty squirrely on Saturday. Um, although, speaking of, <laughs> how did you prepare? What, what did you do the weekend uh, of your meet, Lewis? Well, um, I, I do work quite a bit, so I had the day off on Saturday, which was nice. So I took full advantage. I woke up. Did and, you ever? <laughs> <laughs> um, I woke up and I watched a few hours of TV, and then I went for a shakeout jog by myself, and then I came back and I watched a few more hours of TV. <laughs> And I kind of just stayed in the living room until about mm, 9, 10 o'clock at night, and then I went to bed. There's an old adage about distance <laughs> runners being the laziest people in the world when they don't have to run, and that really was proven true this weekend. Uh, I believe at one point I was like, Lewis, you've watched like seven hours of TV today, and Lewis was like, no, nah, it's more like nine. <laughs> <laughs> when I shut it down, I shut it down hard, so it was, it was good to kind of just physically chill. What was, what was the best movie you watched on Saturday? I don't even remember. I, it, was too, it was I think I watched mostly TV shows. I couldn't even tell you what I Just watched. Just Netflix and chill. Yeah, yeah. Netflix and chill. Well, Johnny and I have been catching up on our Arrested Development, so. You can't go wrong. For like the fifth time in my life. It's a good <laughs> show. Great. Well, I know uh, a big thing for you is like 
I'm having heard a lot about your workouts, and, and now that you posted your training, like uh, everyone's heard a lot about your workouts. Um, you've definitely had moments over the course of the season where you felt ready for sub four. Um, do you want to? If you had to pick, like, sort of one workout where you're like, "Oh, this is definitely in the cards. I have the ability to do this." Was there one that jumped out at you? Yeah, there was. There was. Um, so there was a couple that definitely gave me a lot of confidence. Um, Early in the season, I did a, a three by one k workout with uh, Ben Bosworth, and we had full rest in between, and went two thirty five down to two thirty one, and that was a really good indicator for me. But uh, the big one came, um, I think it was about a week and a half out, ten days out roughly, and I, I came into the workout, and I remember telling my coach that I was feeling a little tired from the weekend. I think we'd gone out the Saturday night before, and it was the following Tuesday, and um, and he, he like walked into the track and he was like, yeah, the paces that I texted you are too slow. We're going to have to go a little bit faster. And, and the workout was, uh, 800, 400, 800, 400, 800, then four by 200 to finish. And the original, originally he had said to shoot for 208, 206, 204 on the eights. And then, um, like low sixties on the fours. Um, and I ended up running 204, 201, and then 157 for the last eight, and then my fours were all sub-60, and my twos, I actually even got down to 26 on my last 200. It was the only 26-second 200 I ran the entire indoor season. Um, but after that workout, like coming out of that one, I felt really smooth and comfortable running like the 157, 158 for the last eight, and that was the one where I was like, okay, I need to get in a, in a mile where we get out at that pace, and I can just see if I can hold on. I think I doubled with you that night, and you're like, you're pretty riding high on that. Oh, yeah, you were amped on that one. I think I got the text right after <laughs> that one. Was. Yeah, um, I just also going into it, I, I just was not expecting it to go well, um, and I think it just goes to show that you need to like feel be confident going into. It was funny, like after the workout, Randy, my coach, was like, like yeah, you're just like my girls, like you you psych yourself out before the workout even starts, and then it ends up going well. And it's funny because like I tell all the people that I coach the same thing, and. Um, it's funny hearing it from another person sometimes, but, um, but yeah, if you go in there confidently, it tends to go a little better. Well, that, so correct me if I'm wrong, but, and I think I'm coming around on this, but you're a big proponent of like visualization being effective, like thinking about the race. You said you were doing a lot before the day before. Um, is that like a conscious decision or just like something that just come naturally to you? Uh, I'm sure a lot of runners do it. I, I, I guess it's conscious, but um, the day before I definitely was like, um, one of the things that Randy told me, the only thing that he told me before the race was with three laps to go, be aggressive, with two laps to go, get excited. And he told me that on, I think, Friday or Saturday morning, so before I went for my shakeout run on Saturday. Um, so the whole run on Saturday, I was just like thinking about those two moments, like the three lap to go period of like being aggressive and moving up and getting in position and then especially like the two laps to go like seeing the clock and getting excited about the perspective moment and then just like executing it so that's I think that's what I was kind of visualizing um, I've been skeptical it. of the whole visualization thing and I think I'm coming around to it like yeah I do it a lot sometimes I do it so much I'm like oh, I gotta stop thinking about it yeah because I'm doing it too much well, I, yeah I've normally been like yeah. I'm just such so in my head about like everything that it's I'm tr normally like don't think about it but we've had made such a, I've heard enough elite athletes say that like making the conscious effort to visualize their races is an effective strategy that 
it's it's starting to work on me. You yeah. do you do things. You end up doing things that you never like thought that you could do. Like I know anyone that knows me knows that I like hype myself up a lot, and I, I end up like getting overexcited about things sometimes. Like even like that stupid four by mile we did last year with yeah, the local yeah, guys. Yeah. We're like, well. Like, if Jordan runs a good leadoff leg, like, maybe we can, like, hang with them for a few legs, and, like, that kind of stuff's, like, I mean, obviously, you want to be realistic up to a certain point, but, like, for me, like, I, I try not to rule out anything, because like, who's to say you couldn't hit the bell and just have that day where you, you're feeling great and you've got a big kick at the end? Um, I, I just try to race with that confidence and that mindset all the time, and I think it, for the most part... You know, that is well for me. But, like, on the flip side, like, the 3K that I ran before my second-to-last second mile at Terrier, um, I had myself all hyped up thinking I was going to run 7.48, 7.47, and that ended up leading to me going out a little bit too hot, like, right on the rabbit, and then kind of falling apart in the second half of the race and only running 8.01, um, which was disappointing to me. Um, but I think it definitely goes to show that you, you still... Even though you want to be confident, you have to keep it in a little bit better perspective sometimes. So. Yeah, sometimes if you hype it up too much, you give yourself too much room yeah. to fall. Yeah, if it you fail, which, but. Well, uh, training, visualization, that's all important. Let's get to the real meat and potatoes of why you broke four. On, at Valentine, you ran half tights and you ran 402. And then you ran shorts no, and no, then you no, ran no. 359. No, I wore, I wore half tights. Uh, at Ocean Breeze. I wore short shorts for... You're, are you sure? Positive. So what's the deal? But, Val but Valentine, I'm definitely all short shorts all the way. But you've worn half tights in the past. Yes. So let's, what's your philosophy? Is it you always race in short shorts or...? Yeah. Can I plug Tracksmith really quick? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> we just came out with new shorts. They're <laughs> split shorts. And I've been waiting for them for a very long time. So um, I love the Van Cortland shorts, but they're not my favorite shorts to racing because they're not a split leg so um like i'll go train in those but but for racing i would always choose the half tights over those because um, the half tights that we have i also really really like but the second the split shorts dropped which was like just happened to be in between terrier and valentine of split shorts all the way so so you raced in those ones i raced in split shorts yeah but like I'll, i was until we had those i was even doing like cross country and half tights. So yeah. So Connor, uh, what kinds of shorts does Heartbreak Hill Running Company? <laughs> <laughs> All shorts, except mostly like seven inches. You know, we got some normal. We guys. got some short ones. Yeah, we I, got some slits some, now. Yeah. yeah. You guys still doing that sale? What was it called? The again? bum bum sale. <laughs> no, that's over. Sorry, you guys missed out on the. Bum <laughs> I think I capitalized on that sale. I picked up a pair of shorts during that. Spend a so. hundred dollars in the store and get any pair of shorts for twenty dollars each. That's what it was. That's a good. It's a good bet. You yeah. Know. I'm like typically half tights mile down and shorts above, but I like shorts better, but my mile PR is in half tights. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I have a better range of motion in short shorts yeah. over half tights, but it's not a bad look though. I like half tights. Yeah. Yeah. I did wear, I, let's see, I wore half tights for my mile last weekend, then I wore short shorts for the 3K. Now that I have the, now that I have the like uh, hip tattoo, I feel obligated to wear short shorts because yeah. it's like... I gotta show it off. You're a little waste of money if you if you wear the half tights and cover it up. Yeah, you know, know. it's an investment. Gotta uh, rep my build the brand. Build that brand, baby. What do those numbers mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> we should we actually should uh, talk about that. You love building the brand, so I mean, obviously, we give you a lot of shit for it because it's 
there's a there's a necessary level of um, self advocacy that goes into sort of being like an elite post collegiate runner and and building yourself, getting getting support anywhere you can find it. Um, and and you've definitely been someone who has made like a conscious effort to be a presence, both like in the Boston running community and, and on social media. Um, is that helpful to you? Is it self-indulgent? Is it productive? What do you think? Probably a little bit of all of that. Um, it definitely started out as me wanting to take it to the next level with running and um, trying to find support. And it is really hard at first. Um, like when I was first getting back into it and and competing on a higher level and running some faster times, like even after qualifying for the trials, like I had a really hard time finding anyone that wanted to give me anything. And I had, I had the, the places in my life that um, were supporting me, like I was still working at Heartbreak and they helped me out a little bit. Um, and to be honest, like the one thing that I've always had has, has been the running community, um, the one that I built at my old job and the one that I'm building here now. Um, and the people in my life that have really supported me, the people that are watching this podcast right now, um, like you guys, like are the reason that I get up every day and do it. Like seriously, like all sincerity aside, like um, I do it for the fans. <laughs> no, but like, but seriously, I, I feed off of. I think I feed off of um, of you guys and like the workouts that that you do. I was talking about this with. Um, with Mario a lot, uh, a morning shakeout podcast, and um, cut that out. We're gonna <laughs> plug other podcasts on this show. <laughs> you got you got a plug in the city. Of I know, I know. Um, I'm stealing my guests, but then still throwing me some love, so I can't say too mad at him. Um, but like, I don't run my workouts at six thirty p.m. in the dark, or on the common, or on the river, or in the or in the crappy weather. Like I, I'm lucky enough where I, I work at a flexible job, and I can. I can get out and do it at the Harvard track or do it in the middle of the day. And I have so much respect for people that do that. Um, so that's been like the one thing that that's kept me motivated all the way through for sure. Um, I know that running can be a very lonely sport sometimes. And I'm, I'm lucky enough that through building this brand that will never feel like the case for me. Um, so that's been like, that's been the big umbrella over all of it. And then as I've improved and gotten to the next level, it's gotten easier and easier to get support from you know, brands and other companies and, and people that want to see me succeed. Um, but yeah, the people are definitely the, the big one that I focus on with doing it. So yeah, yeah, it definitely helps push you around the track. There's a lot yeah, more you, people. You know, yeah, you know. There's, yeah. There's a lot more people out there. Vision, like I would say, like the, the people that are training for Boston. Um, like I, I run the marathon in you know, about two thirty, and like. Um, when I go do a 20 mile long run, it doesn't take, it only takes me a couple hours, but when people go out and they're training for Boston and they're doing their first marathon, like people are doing 20 mile long runs and it takes three, four hours sometimes. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like yeah. that takes so much it's a dedication long time to be running. Yeah. yeah. But people do it and it's, it's crazy motivating. So that's something we've talked about a lot off mic is, is the idea of sort of like adding to the running community and, and how to, as an individual sort of like bring something to the table um, and, and sort of be the rising tide that lifts all boats. I know both, both of you, you know, in your, in your respective running communities have, have been a, taking a huge role in that. And, and I, I like to think that I've, I've tried to help that along too, but I know it's, uh, you know, important to you that, that your job and, and your life is, is adding something to 
Boston running to running in general to, to making people's lives better. Um, why do you feel like that's so important beyond just the training component? I just think it's, I mean, it's because we love the sport of running and, like, we truly believe that it's, you know, one of the greatest sports that there is. And um, I think it's, I always say running is, rel- it's all relative, you know, like the goals that we set, like, you know, me breaking four in the mile is, like, just the same as anyone, you know, setting a goal to BQ or to finish their first marathon. Like, it's, it's all, it's all relative for sure. So I think that, like, by bettering the sport with what we do, like, we're, we're just bettering the sport as a whole, you know. And I think we can all agree, like, Boston's definitely the best running city, best running community yeah. that there is in the world. So yeah. um, to be, like, right here doing it and, like, being on the ground floor and, like, really driving that is is pretty cool. So Yeah, it's cool. You see how much, like, when you try to elevate other people, they try to elevate you, mm-hmm. too, and it's just, like, so... It's, yeah, awesome. it's like the, the spring or the sponge metaphor. Like, yeah. you can either be a spring and help other people, or you can be a sponge and absorb what they give you. And I think, like, in, in all walks of life, but also in the sport, you know, it's like it's important that, like, you, you get back tenfold what you put out there. And so, why not, you know, try and do what you can to, to help the community and, and make everyone a little better? And then, um, and then bring it back to, like, the elite level, too. I think that, you know, we always joke that Brighton's the new Flagstaff. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that on the podcast. But there was a lot of high-level, like, both professional and working elite runners that live in Boston now. And, like, I think they feed off the energy, too. I really do. Like, there's nowhere else in the world where you can go out to Com Ave on a Saturday and see literally thousands of runners training for the Boston Marathon. Or go to Harvard at 6.30 a.m. On a, on a Tuesday or Wednesday and see working professionals ripping 30-second 200s yeah, or 60-second yeah. quarters, like, it's it's unreal, so. Yeah, if you're trying to work and trying to run, you might as well move to Boston. Yeah. Why go anywhere else? else to do. <laughs> Open invite. Yeah. There's always space on like, the Ken Ross couch. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Um, well, I'm going to call you out on one part of that. You said that, you know, it's all relative, but there is something special about sub four. You know, the reason why we're here, like, that's it's something... All of us, you know, me and Connor as 4-0-something miles, no yeah. better than anyone. Um, but but why, why the mile? Why four minutes? Why is that so, like, culturally important to us, do you think? To us or to me? Both. Um, well, I guess to me, like, to take you back to, to high school, like, I never, I grew up kind of hating the sport of running. Um, both my parents are runners. Uh, my dad ran in college and my mom... Uh, started like her own running group after you know when she was a little older um, so I grew up around it and like was always dragged to road races as I'm sure many kids can relate to and like just really didn't enjoy any aspect of it but when I finally got to the the point where I, I was you know running well and, and found the joy in it like the mile was always like the event that I wanted to be good at like you know I had middle school gym class mile record like uh, ran 422 as a sophomore in high school. I was lucky enough to like really improve my times and, and get down to that. So like after I ran that race, I, I think that that was like the number one running goal that became breaking four. As after sophomore year of high school and I ran that 422, it was like, all right, like someday that's what I want to do in the sport of running. And it kind of gone away for a long time. Um, but I think it's always in your in the back of your your mind. Like I, I think you guys would be would be lying if you hadn't if you don't think about it. Sometimes still has four or something milers. Like um, it's definitely something that uh, that you're always kind of thinking about. 
Um, and culturally, like, I think that it's a very easy story to tell, right? Like, the, I think it's a pretty cool story all the way through. Yeah. And I think there's, some, there's something beautiful about, like, the, like, you know, obviously indoors it's eight laps, but outdoors it's, like, four minutes, four laps, minute per lap. Like, yeah. it's something that people can visualize. Everyone's run the gym class mile. Like, pretty much, you know, not everyone's run a marathon, but everyone's run a mile. And well, I think that's a good point right there. It, the relatability of it. Yeah. It's like when, when someone finds out that you run, like a normal person that's not a runner, like what are the two questions that you get? <laughs> Have you run a marathon? Have you run a marathon? And what's your mile, what's your mile time? time? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which also, uh, always, you're always like, what's your mile time? And you're like, you're like 407. And they're like, oh, you're a four minute mile. I'm like, yeah. I can't even begin to tell you how <laughs> yeah. much of a world there is between. <laughs> yeah. I think in high school, like when I ran, the first time I broke five, I ran like a 449. And uh, someone even said, like, oh, yeah, like, you're close to four. Like, one of my family relatives. Yeah. Give it ten years, you know? <laughs> yeah. If you're lucky. Yeah, you don't PR by 30 seconds in a race, yeah. like, in that short. So, but, well, yeah, the, rel the relatability is definitely something pretty cool. Like, I, I know when I, when I went under 14 for the first time, that was cool. Because, like, been, like, in the 14 to 15-minute range for 5K forever, and then being able to say I've run 13-something was cool. Um, so this is definitely even special or more yeah. special. You did run. You also <laughs> ran what twenty eight, fifty nine, ninety nine in the point nine eight. Nine eight yeah. in the ten k. So you're you're all about breaking those barriers, just barely. Well, yeah, except for the three k. <laughs> well, soon yeah, outdoor, you know. We'll yeah. Adrian Martinez. We'll see what happens. Uh, well, speaking of, do you guys have a good gimmick mile that you want to start up? You know, the new cult mile. We got the blue jeans. We got the beer mile. What are your ooh? For starters, what are your beer mile PRs? I've never run ran one. Never run a beer mile? I've never run one. We've run like two beer miles in the last year. How are you not at I that was only there for one and didn't participate. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've never even been around. But you would one. do one. Oh I would definitely well, so, do you think what do you think you could run? What's your PR? <laughs> <laughs> Five forty nine. What's your PR? Uh slower than that. <laughs> Eight something. I think you could run five forty eight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could probably run so I'm pretty fast, and I can ch chug beer pretty fast, but I typically throw up pretty easily. That's, like, my problem. So I could probably run, like, All right. I could probably run seven minutes. The Ken Ross pretty fast. Yeah, I could, let me give me, like, the seven-minute barrier. Do you have a good gimmick mile, Lewis? Um, I forgot that this was a question, so I didn't <laughs> prep for it, but in, in high school, we did a milkshake 400. Uh, <laughs> Chug a Stewart's milkshake for all you up north, upstate New York people. Stewart's. Stewart's is the best. Chug a Stewart's milkshake and then rip a 400. I ran 61, milkshake included. Um, oh, that's good. But I would like to do a, a, a milkshake mile would be pretty interesting. There you go. I, I can't imagine how painful that would be. That's so much Do you have to, is it like I know that you Mario did Kart milk mile. Yeah, so yeah, yeah and I've heard of that before. Is it like Mario Kart style, like you have to... Fit, just finish one milkshake at some point in the mile, or is Ooh, it like that would be good. Yeah, I you like can distribute idea. it however you but want. But like a big milkshake, not yeah. like a Stewart's yeah. one. Maybe like a, a jumbo. Like a real like. I like that. Yeah. Milkshake. We did. Yeah. Speaking of things we talk about every podcast, we uh, I had a couple friends do a burrito five k in high school, where you run, like you run two and a half miles or one and a half miles to a burrito place, eat a burrito, and run back and see how fast you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to do on the, I think we've talked about this, but we have, we obviously live close to the Chestnut Hill Reservoir, which is one of 
best places to train in Boston, mile and a half cinder path. Yeah. But I've always thought of Ben and, ben and Jerry's pint in the middle for a 5K. So you do you do a lap, then eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's, and then do another lap for a 5K total. It's not even a mile and a half. It's 2,500 meters. It's yeah, like exactly half yeah. a 5K. Yeah. yeah. So I always um, thought that would be an interesting, that would be interesting food challenge race. Yeah. Connor, you got one? Um, I'm not that hyped on the Blue Jeans mile. I think it's kind of like, eh, I'm not good on that one. But I was at the my first Bruins game last night, and it was so funny to watch how like hyped the crowd got, like when there was a fight. And I was like, oh, maybe we should have like a physical mile, like something like <laughs> what? like like roller der- like roller derby. Yeah. You know, roller derby's like really physical, and we could just do that on the track. I've always just, wanted like, as I grew up kick each other's asses before everything else, and I have my <laughs> dream. You still in have life. to be running though. My dream in life is to have a benches clearing brawl at a track meet. Like, we had, in college, we had, like, the Princeton-Cornell rivalry, and, like, there were times when, like, I thought it was going to happen, and, like, we're still, maybe at the heartbreak, Tracksmith will meet, we'll just, like, <laughs> I just throw it have, it would have to be indoors. What are the rules of roller derby? I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure it out. I just out. think it's yeah. physical. That's good. As a, as a larger runner myself, I yeah. feel like I would be well. Sharpen those elbows. <laughs> yeah. But then I think a team pursuit mile would be cool. Like, I was watching the Olympics, and, like, in speed skating, they do, like, 3v3, three ver- three three, and you start, like, 200 meters apart, and you they they skated a mile and a half, but you could, we you could run a mile. You try and catch them? Is that you, the... like, try and catch them, but you have to stay together. And it's basically based off time, because, like, they're all so fast that they really can't catch each other, but... But, and you have cool. to finish together, like the three of you have to finish, which I think would be interesting. That would be interesting. We'll new, new event idea. All right, couple uh, Boston-centric questions. What's the best burrito in Boston? Ooh. Tango Mango. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree with Tango that. Mango. Tango Mango. Oh, big thumbs down from the audience. Uh, as, as a <laughs> new, Newton being my hometown, I'm actually going to say that in high school, it was Anna's was always the better option than t- Tango Mango. You know what it is for, with Tango Mango though. You have to take into account the service that you get there. Yeah, it's so service. solid. They just like they steam the burrito real quick. They like literally like throw it down the line. Yeah, they like frisbee, frisbee it onto the. That yeah. is true. And They're... they just like it's like the fastest burrito I've ever seen made, and it's quality too. I miss yeah. old Felipe's. That's the like Felipe's when it was just like in the hole in the wall on the side of the garage before they went all corporate and got like a nice tavern style restaurant. Um, so that's the burrito mentioned at 8.11 yep. a.m. Uh, best Boston beer? Oh, uh, I'm a big Harpoon guy. Uh, I also I also really like Notch, though. Um, Notch left to the dials, like my, my go-to like post-long day on the deck. It's a session beer, so you can drink like six of them and not feel bad about it. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I'll agree with the Harpoon. Shout out to the sponsor. Which Harpoon? Uh, I like Winter Warmer. This is one of my favorites. Yeah, it's a good one. I love I love a good uh, Sam Summer. That's like I guess it's yeah. not like technically. Well, they are technically Boston based, but I do love Harpoon too. The the grapefruit shandy that they used to have in the oh, summer. Oh yeah, that's like the, the best uh, thing but there's, ever. There's, the UFOs. There's so many like little pop up breweries now in Boston, and I feel like I haven't been to any of them. Lamplighter is a good cool. one. Yeah, Lamplighter has some yeah. very hoppy IPAs. Those are good. Um, what kind of car do you drive, Lewis? I drive a Honda Pilot, 2005. Uh, let's run us, run us through what's happened to that Honda Pilot in the last <laughs> six months. <laughs> Nothing bad, why? No, so, um, there's a big crack in the windshield. If my parents are listening, slash watching, don't worry, I'm going to take care of it soon. <laughs> <laughs> he said, he said that for the last six months. Um, yeah, there's a big crack that, like, 
Well, so I was driving to like to New Hampshire like literally like two years ago and like a little pebble like hit the windshield and like the little crack in it and I was supposed to take care of it right away so obviously I didn't and this winter it was really we had a really cold streak in Boston um, and there was one day I was literally just driving and it just went and just like went across the windshield um, so that happened um, so I kicked the table um, the power steering went out um, yeah. right before conveniently right before a trip to New York City for Milrose Games. So, so you got your upper lifting in by just driving your you, car. You know what he yeah. said to me after he broke four? He's like, dude, you know what you need to do to get a strong core? <laughs> four. And I'm like, what? He's like, take all the power steering fluid out of your car. <laughs> He's like, just start, start driving around, like tighten up the core. And he was being like 100% serious. Did that come up on morning? He's like, I'm significantly no, stronger now. <laughs> See, I have <laughs> questions to ask. It's, so it was the... in my back, too, because you have to like, you really have to like crank the wheel to like tear up the car. <laughs> but yeah. And that, the that last 400, though, I was like nice and tall. Yeah, you were yeah, you kept it tight. <laughs> How's the tail light doing? Oh, that one wasn't my fault though. But it's I'm just saying a lot has happened to your car in the last. Yeah, we had a someone someone sideswiped me. I parked my car on the street in Boston. Um, Brian parking is yeah like oh, like someone knocked the, the tail light out dead. pretty good. I remember I was like, I like didn't even notice it, and I met Jared, uh, one of your teammates here to run, one of our friends, and he like pulled his car in behind me at Tracksmith, and he's like, what happened to your taillight? And I was like, what do you mean? And I like walked back, and sure enough, big crack in the taillight. But that is a reliable vehicle, though, no matter what, no matter how poorly I sometimes treat it. The vehicle's reliable, not so sure about the drive. <laughs> My, my dad's definitely listening to this, like, nice. cringing right now, so I'm <laughs> right. sorry. Well, we have a game for you this week. Um, it's the Sub 4 Challenge. Um, we're going to list off a couple things, and Lewis is going to say whether or not he thinks you can do them in less than four minutes. Keeping it PG-13. <laughs> We can discuss as we go. Um, so, Lou, do you think you can make an egg sandwich in under yes, four minutes? Yes, definitely. I could probably... I bet I could make an egg sandwich in about like three minutes flat, probably. I've got it down to a science. As we go through like pro roughly four dozen eggs a week in our house, and and that's why we're a big egg and cheese kind of kind of yeah. family. If you if you like put if you start the stove and put the bagel on at the same time and the toaster, yeah. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. Crack the yolk a little bit. It's all about quick, timing. Quick flip, seasoning, done. done. I could probably eat it too in under four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, in honor of. Uh, our uh, post-breaking forest celebrations. The next one. Do you think you could drink a bottle of champagne in less than four minutes? That would be a little more difficult. Oh, you definitely can. I probably could. It wouldn't <laughs> be very... The carbonation would be what would scare me more than the, the quantity of... Um, bottle of Andre definitely harder than bottle of wine, that's for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think it's... The, the next four minutes after that are going to be really unpleasant. Yeah, be <laughs> yeah. I'll say yes. Yes, yes all right. If well, I, if gun to my head, I could get it done. No, you could get it done. Do you yes. think you could clean out your car in less than four minutes? No. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> it, well, it depends on, like, if, if you're just saying, like, just get all the stuff out of my car, I could maybe make it happen. Uh, but if you're talking, like, actually, like, take out and, like, organize quickly, definitely not. It's a, it's a project, usually. Fair enough. Do you think you could choose a running outfit in less than four minutes? Yes. But <laughs> yeah. I do own quite a bit of running apparel, uh, so it takes me a little bit longer. 
Depends on if someone's shooting the workout, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. No, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have it whittled, whittled down, I think, to a few key pieces, but, uh, yeah. I'm not going to let you plug tracks with a guy. <laughs> I was right thinking there. about it and I stopped myself. Don't worry. Uh, do you think you can make it from Kinross to Tracksmith in four minutes? No, but since it's three miles away and there's not really... The only direct way you can get there is like come out of Beacon Street and there's usually tons of traffic. So maybe if it was like the middle of the night and there was like going no seventy stop, like, down. Yeah, yeah. like you're like breaking all rules. Like I could What's make, your PR? What's the fastest you've I was that's a, that's gonna be my follow up. I don't know. What do you think, Nick? I think we've done like twelve. Yeah, I was gonna say like ten or twelve. I could I think it's yeah, ten. Un, under it's ten, maybe. I believe it. It'd be hard. You'd have to hit like every green light, that's the key. It's like yeah. four pace. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Beautiful. And do you think you could win a game of Civil War in under four minutes? I'd have to be really hot, but yeah. Like, just, just firing on all cylinders. I'm more of a defender in Civil War. That's because I get you out so Scrap. early that you got to <laughs> Yeah. That, that'd be where, like, my, my elbows come into play in, the, in your gimmick model. Speak, yeah, yeah, speaking yeah, of a yeah, violent yeah. game. Um, and finally, uh, do you ever in your life uh, go four minutes without checking Instagram? Yeah, when I'm running. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> physically don't have the phone with you. <laughs> Very nice. Well, thank you so much for coming in. This is, this is a fun one. Um, Cash, you got any topics to bring up before we close it out? We got anything? I don't think so. You covered it pretty good. Yeah, yeah. we flew through that. Yeah. Oh, I, I, you know what? We got one more, actually, is the, the lifestyle aspect. Um, you're a big proponent of playing as hard as you work. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that the weekend before the sub four mile, we we had a pretty aggressive weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, do you you stand by it? You wish you change things up a little, or or what do you think? No, I, I stand by it. I um, this has been like a big topic this week, obviously, and um, I'm not gonna sit, sit here and act like I I don't try to get myself mentally and physically prepared for for a race. Um, you know, like a professional would like. The week before, like, I was in bed early every night and didn't really drink much the week of and tried to eat as healthy as I could. Um, but yeah, no, I'm a big believer in living a balanced lifestyle because I think that the mental aspect of it is just as important as the physical aspect, and I think that you need to, to live a balanced lifestyle and, and be happy in your regular day-to-day um, in order to perform well. I'm a very big proponent in that, so um, that just is, like, opening yourself up to as many opportunities as you can and... Um, you know, really not taking for granted your friends and your friendships, and yeah, the the weekend before we just happened to have a few things going on. Like we had our friend Angelica's birthday on Friday night, so we had went and support her, uh, which has really ended up being a really fun night. Even though I know that you got a little upset with us. On the <laughs> night. We don't need to address that on the air. <laughs> trying to get some pizza, you know. Uh, David was driving us home, and then on. Uh, I forget what we did on Saturday. That was Saturday. And oh, then was Sunday Friday? was a three-day weekend, so we went to the South End. Oh, Friday. Yeah. Friday I was with John. The, the net result oh, is okay. that sleep, I think, is, like, the big, like, sleep, you know, sleep obviously... leading up to a race, definitely important. Keep everything else kind of in, in and like it's moderation. Something, as runners, we debated a lot. Like, Johnny and I were even debating this on our, on our run the other day. Like, we went and got a, a ton of shrimp on Monday. And <laughs> shout out to holy crap! Literally, a pound of shrimp. Yeah, yeah. And the actually. first time you guys went, one of the reasons I didn't go was because I had a workout the next day, and Johnny was like, "Like, oh, like 
you, you make it too big, too big of a deal out of like your workouts the next day. Like it shouldn't matter. And then like literally like five miles later, he was like cursing Holly Crab's name. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's like avoid, avoid the second from the left porta potty outside. <laughs> so, so you make. I mean, you 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 take the good with the bad sometimes, and you have to you make some tough decisions sometimes with training. But ge- generally, I try to abide by the. Uh, if it's gonna make me a happier person, then I'm gonna do it. Can't, can't waste your youth, you know. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's finish it off with the big three. Um, we have the same three questions every week. Uh, we got the Instagram crush. Doesn't have to be a person. Um, but I'm looking at Connor and I'm, I'm worried where this is going to take us, but <laughs> Cash, who's, who's your Instagram? <laughs> Cash, who's your Instagram crush? Um, so I'm saying this one because I'm on this with you two and shout out to Sean on this one too. Heidi C is definitely my Instagram crush. 100%. So, besides my w- lovely girlfriend of 11 years. Kate is obviously the the cutest person on Instagram across the board. Lewis, who's your Instagram crush? I'm gonna I'm gonna take it back a little bit here. This is not not a current Instagram crush, but I want to give a shout out because of my co-host, in hopes that he's gonna bring it back a little bit. I was hoping that you would say this. I was thinking about this on the way in because I've already said a couple of mine. I've been on as a co-host, but Cold Game Kelv, the Deer Whisperer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so. We were obsessed with him. Last yeah, obsessed year. with him. And I, I'm sure most of our listeners have heard of this guy, but if you haven't, basically he got famous for feeding his deer in his backyard, and he's just like a cool dude. <laughs> like he like talks to them, he gives yeah. them all names, and he knows all their knows names. all their names. Yeah, does, does have an everybody eats hat. I have. <laughs> yeah, we all we do. both do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we own hat because that's one of that's his catchphrases. sayings. Is everybody eats? Yeah, baby. Yeah. Yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> But lately, lately we feel as though he's maybe letting the fame get a little bit to to his head. Yeah, a little bit of a sellout. He's betrayed the deer squad, and now he has a new pet goat, and its name is Bentley, it's and he drives cool. a Bentley. Yeah, oh, that's a lot. That being said, though, he's had two deer posts in the past week. Yeah, I, I've I've held strong and not unfollowed him yet, and yeah. I think maybe he might be making a comeback. Yeah, I hope. He had a good one yesterday where he was driving down the street and like Canelo pulled up and he like got out of the car. Oh, Lewis, <laughs> that's the most anyone's ever talked about the deer guy. <laughs> Definitely not. He's, no. he's the man. He's the best. And like we've tagged him in Instagrams and he's commented yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. He knows us. Yeah. Know, like, He's probably listening. He's probably listening. Yeah, he's a fan yeah. of the pod. Yeah. If, if, if you are listening, Cal, stay true to your roots. Stay true well, to the dear Speaking spot. of someone who's definitely not I'm listening. i change the subject. <laughs> uh, my Instagram crush is uh, Justin Keefe. Just Keefe. He's been throwing... <laughs> he's been throwing cash a lot of love this week. There's he has. Some good yeah, shots yeah. He's finally been club. at my run club. Yeah. I'm going to plug Hill Club every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. <laughs> well, you can go to Keefe's Instagram. That used to be Lou's run it. club, so I'm yeah. allowed to plug it because it used to Fair be enough. Sure, That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Hills but make you scrum. Ben Weingart gets a plug, too, shooting the podcast. <laughs> What's your go-to karaoke song? Uh, probably It Wasn't Me by Shaggy. Good one. It's a pretty fun one. People usually get pretty amped. <laughs> Although I've been told that apparently Shaggy's the guy doing the verses and that the guy doing the hook, which is the best part of the song, is yeah. not Shaggy. It's not Shaggy. So yeah. technically, he's the one who got caught. Who's the guy doing the hook, Johnny? I don't know his name. I don't know, but he's the one who either. he's the one who got caught cheating. So it wasn't him. So yeah. Shaggy honestly is blameless in all of this. Yeah, <laughs> and Shaggy's parts are really hard. Yeah, yeah, they're really hard. Lewis, uh, a thousand miles, Vanessa Carlton. That's a good, That's one. A good one. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, definitely. 
That's a Windows Down song right there. Oh, yeah. Big time. This came on in the car this morning, but I think mine's going to be uh, the Don't Impress Me Butch by Shania Twain. If only so I can go. Okay, so you broke four. <laughs> that don't impress me much. Someone's got to say it. <laughs> and last but not least, your death row meal. You're going to the chair. This is your last day on this earth. What are you eating before you go? It, definitely pizza, but specifically from modern pizza in New Haven, Connecticut. It has to be like specific pizza. No, Mystic Pizza. No. Mystic's pretty good. I like Mystic. I've never been to Mystic. It's a good one. Lewis? I'm going to also give a pizza shout-out to uh, my favorite pizza place, which is Pino's Pizza <laughs> in Brighton. Anyone that's been to Kinross has enjoyed some barbecue, barbecue chicken, Sicilian. Sicilian pizza from Pino's. Excellent. Uh, it was a, a BC hotspot. I can tell one quick story. Yeah, go for it. Um, my, uh, there used to, when I first got to BC my freshman year, there were two pizza places. There was Pino's Pizza and then there was Presto's Pizza right next door. But nobody went to Presto's, and like it was always a debate. Like, oh, are you a Pino's person? Are you a Presto's person? Everyone was Pino's. There was always that like. So it wasn't a debate. <laughs> well, there was always that like one person in the group that was like, oh no. Try to be different. It's Presto's. Um, but there was one night where my uh, my old college roommate uh, Kyle and uh, Presto's had just closed like the week before, and like Kyle like walks into the Pino's and he's just like. We did it! <laughs> we put Presto's out of business, and the guys are behind, the, these Italian dudes are behind the counter, like, oh, yeah, yeah, buddy, what do you want? <laughs> but uh, that place will always have a special place in my heart. Uh, barbecue chicken Sicilian. I think that we is, can all agree Sicilian. No you gotta say Sicilian. The square ones, ones are yeah. definitely better. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a great um, I'm going a total different direction since it's officially now Easter season. I am going jelly beans. I'm a big, big fan of jelly beans. You are. They've... Discontinued my. I, it's a very sore subject. They've discontinued like Savers jelly beans, which are the, empirically the best kind of jelly beans. But maybe just for my death row meal, someone you know said so the chaplain at the prison or whatever will find one last bag for me, and and I'll go out on a high note and a sugar high. That could be a nice <laughs> sincere birthday present for you. David's got a birthday. You can't out. find it. I looked on Amazon. We can't get you real by this. It's been a lot of podcasts. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been it's been a good one. Uh, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you to, to Tracksmith and the Track House for hosting us. Thanks for everyone for watching. Hey guys, thanks for coming to watch. This is awesome. Uh, Cash, thanks so, so yeah, much. Thanks for having uh, me. When you first COVID. asked me, I was like, he's definitely joking. And then here no. I am. <laughs> you yeah. did a great job. So it was cool. And we're here. Uh, yeah. Thanks to Hearth Baking Co. for the delicious baked goods. Breakfast is uh, the, the best part of this podcast. And um, <clears throat> in the meantime, I've been Dave Melly, and this is Run Your Mouth. <laughs> <laughs>